One of my favourite things to do is to grab a cuppa with a friend or two, sitting, chatting, maybe something sweet to nibble on. Who else here loves grabbing a cuppa with a friend? Yeah, if you're online, maybe put it, in, put it in the chat. There's a little coffee mug emoji, or maybe it's a dinner party with couples. Yep, pop something in the emoji if that's you. You know, my two favorite days of the week are Wednesdays, where I get to lead Connect Group Sisters, and also Sundays, where my husband Ben and I lead, um, host a games night. I love the tribe that I have around me. The connection, I'm an extrovert, but it's more than that. It's the way that God has wired me for relationship. Actually, he's wired all of us for connection and relationship, even the introverts amongst us. Every single person yearns for value and acceptance and belonging, and, and this stems right from the beginning, from creation. In Genesis 1:26, it says, then God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. The Trinity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit always existed in relationship, and we human beings were made in that likeness. Later, in Genesis 2, it says, it is not good that man should be alone. There is and always has been a part of humanity that is designed to connect with God first and with others. Throughout the Bible, there are countless references to being one and in unity. And this isn't to say that there is no difference or diversity, but that we would stand firm as believers in Christ. You know, together in community, being one body, as it speaks so clearly of in Romans and in 1 Corinthians, we are made for relationship, for connection and for belonging, because we need one another. But this picture isn't always the reality, is it? Have you ever been hanging out with a group of friends, smiling, chatting, and even though there are people around you, you feel so alone? You say, I'm fine, but you're not. When I was a teenager, I often cried myself to sleep. I didn't tell anyone of the pain that I felt. My parents didn't know. My friends didn't know. I would face each day with an I'm fine mask. I would hide my insecurities, my failures, my mistakes. To everyone around me, I was fine. To some, I was even thriving. But inside, I was deeply burdened and crumbling. Reality is, in this fragile and uncertain world that we live in, we are not promised a life free of pain and trials. In John 16, 
Jesus is sharing his last moments and his teachings with the disciples. In verse 33, he says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. You know, the truth is, until Jesus returns, there will be death, sorrow, crying, and pain. Revelations 21.4 says, When God's dwelling will once again be among the people, it says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. But until then, as one of the characters in the TV show Sweet Magnolias says, life is filled with pain, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, take your pick. And no matter how much you want to, you can't avoid it. Isn't this so true? This, this was true of my life. As much as I wanted to, I couldn't avoid the pain. I can't avoid the pain. But why did I remain silent? Why do we hold it all in and not tell anyone, say we're fine when we're not? I bet, like me, you can think of a time, even this past week, where you said, I'm fine, but you weren't. Not not completely. You hid behind a mask. So why do we say, I'm fine, when we're not? Maybe you resonated with what Winnie spoke about last week. Maybe you don't truly know yourself, what's happening inside. And, and maybe this week has been a week of journeying and sinking deep into Jesus, coming into conversation with him and and asking him to help you understand what, what's happening inside. In order to be authentic with each other, we need to be authentic with God first. Or maybe you're thinking, you know, my pain's not that significant compared to others. When I was working at the Cancer Council and counseling women who were facing breast cancer journey, and sometimes they were so sick that they couldn't even get out of bed in so much pain, facing the surgery outcomes and the chemo. Yet they'd say to me, but I'm not going to die, so I shouldn't complain. Some people aren't that lucky, as if their cancer journey was more lucky than somebody else's. It's like we have a hierarchy of hardship and there's always someone worse off, so who am I to talk about my pain? Or have you made a mistake thinking, I deserve to feel this way, I should be hiding? In Genesis, we read the story of Eve and Adam conversing with the serpent and they made a choice to eat of the fruit that, that they were warned or instructed not to. And at that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. 
So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. You see, before this story, before they made this choice to do what they were told not to, it says in Genesis 2, now the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This is the beginning of humankind stepping out of the, the connection and the relationship that we were designed for, that we were, were created for, and into a place of shame and of hiding. And whilst the Bible is filled with countless stories of even the most revered characters, like King David, who you know, committed adultery and murder, it is also filled with many more stories of examples of God's grace and his mercy and his plan to restore us to right relationship with him. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins, Romans 3, 22 to 24. Yet somehow we, I, forget, maybe momentarily, that Jesus, his redemption, and, and we get stuck in the fact that I made a mistake, I did the wrong thing. And if I was truly honest, then they would surely judge me. So I stay silent. What held me back, crying myself to sleep and not telling anyone about my failures and my sickness and my scars. What holds me back most often still today is fear of rejection. If I tell the truth, what will you think of me? As a teenager, I was focused on being liked by the popular group. Maybe that is your story too. In a world of social media and counting fake book likes, we can be desperately addicted to approval. So we dare not jeopardise that by sharing our messes and our wounds and our secrets. Or has it got to do with the competitive society that is fueled by power that we live in? I might reveal just how weak I am. Is the culture we live in so focused on success and rising to the top that I have to hide my mistakes? and my shortcomings instead of reaching out to receive help? Maybe, maybe you feel like you're just different from others. And, and that difference isn't anything you necessarily control. Sometimes we can feel so alien to those around us that we, we put on a mask and we, we don't live our true authentic self because we're afraid of what others might think of us. We, we be who others want us to be. 
instead. Or maybe you did open up once. You, you took that mask off and you shared, you told the truth, but instead of mercy and compassion and acceptance, you were met with judgment, disapproval and rejection. Maybe the person ignored you, shunned you or responded in a way that was insensitive or just rude. Brene Brown, an expert in shame and vulnerability, says that vulnerability is the door to connection and authenticity, but that we shouldn't just share with anyone on the street. As the biblical saying goes, don't cast your pearls before, before swine. That, that wouldn't be safe to share our hurts, our mistakes, and our challenges with just anyone. And I'm certainly not advocating for you to do that. But what about in your connect group, amongst your close peer groups, with your leaders? Isn't that the place that we should feel safe and be able to tell the truth and to be honest and to be ourselves? If not these places, then where? Renee Brown talks often about sharing with the people who have earned the right to hear your story. So I want to focus in on this for the remainder of the time that I have. Think about the culture, the space that you create for others. In your connect group, in your peer group, with the people that you lead, in your circle of influence, in your ministry area, have you earned the right to hear the story? What are you doing to create space or to be a person whom people can take their masks off around? No example is as perfect as the one that comes from Jesus Christ. Jesus loved all people, even those who hated him. He taught, he talked to, he healed, he accepted everyone that he was with. He commanded us to love God and love one another. We see time and again Jesus entered into people's pain and offered grace and hope. In the book of John, in chapter 4, we read the story of the Samaritan woman. There are a couple of things that I want to draw attention to. Last week, Winnie mentioned that this lady was in hiding. And, and she was. It was the middle of the day, and she was drawing water from the well. Now, it would have been custom to go in the morning, in the cool of the morning, when everybody went and drew water from the well, but she avoided the crowds, and she went in the middle of the day. So she was certainly hiding. And Jesus, he didn't, Jews back then, they didn't normally travel through Samaria. In fact, they would, they would often go a longer trip to avoid the place, but Jesus didn't avoid the outcast or the broken. 
He asked for water from the Samaritan lady's cup. Now that would have made Jesus ceremonially unclean, but he didn't abide by social standards and expectations and man-made rules. The woman admitted her failures to Jesus. He said, go and get your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, no, you've had five and the man you're with now is not your husband. She was, had the space that Jesus created for her to say the truth. And then he didn't reject her, but he invited her to receive eternal life. And she went back into the crowds that she was avoiding and said, come, come and see the man who has told me everything I ever did. Jesus created a space where she stepped out of her shame and she then went and told everyone to come. In Luke chapter 19, the story of Zacchaeus, a rich tax collector who was despised by the people. He had to climb a tree just to see Jesus. And Jesus stopped and he looked up and he called Zacchaeus by name. He said, Zacchaeus. He wasn't ashamed to be seen talking with and to, and to have the time to stop. But instead, he invited himself to dinner at Zacchaeus' house. Despite what gossip may have started, he didn't care about that. He, he went and he sat with Zacchaeus. And after sitting with Jesus, Zacchaeus said that he would pay back four times what he owed people and give to the poor. Jesus created the space for him to own up and take responsibility and shed that shame. Luke chapter seven, the story of a sinful woman. Jesus was invited to the Pharisee's house to have dinner. And a woman who was known for her sin in the town, came and with tears washed Jesus' feet and dried them with her hair and anointed him with oil, much to the disgust and the mortification of the Pharisee who, what is this woman doing touching you in this way? And Jesus, he didn't reject her, he didn't despise her, in fact, he praised her for her love of him, and he highlighted the gift that she had given to Jesus. And he, he sent her away, he released her to go in peace, and he took her shame away. That's how he embraced it. And she must have felt safe to be in Jesus' presence, to go into a place where she knew that she would be despised. But Jesus created the space for her to be able to do that. And my final story that just so perfectly illustrates Jesus' example of creating the space that we can be worthy to hear another person's story is the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. The Pharisees brought this woman to Jesus who had been caught in sin, in adultery, and publicly wanted to shame her and said it is custom that we should throw stones at her and kill her for her sin. What did Jesus do? He drew in the dirt. He stopped. 
He created space. He was patient. And he said, person without sin, cast the first stone. He knew that she was no worse than anybody else standing in that crowd that day. Jesus took time and he allowed everyone to make a decision for themselves. He could have, he could have accused the accusers of their sin, but no, he didn't. He waited and he created space for them to make a decision themselves. And when everyone left, Jesus said, where are your accusers? Does no one condemn you? Then neither do I. And he released her. He said, go and, and sin no more. He offered her grace, wiped her slate clean, allowed her to go forth into a new freedom. Ephesians 4 gives us a great summary of, of how we can create the space worthy to hear the story. Paul is, is begging his readers to lead a life worthy of the calling to which we have been called. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Do not use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviour. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Jesus Christ, has forgiven you. I want to invite you to take an audit. Where have you fallen short? What do you need to work on this week? I have a feeling you know where and maybe even who you have slighted or ignored, judged or hurt. Grab the piece of paper and the pen that you were given on your way in and if you're listening online then hopefully you've got something handy that you can use. And as I ask a few questions, if you feel prompted in any way, make a note. Make a note to follow up this week. Seek prayer. Seek forgiveness. Talk to that person. Ask a leader to help you. Do you avoid or ignore or maybe turn your back on some people? Are you ashamed to associate with some people? Do you reject people because of what they've done or the way that they behave? Do you judge people based on their social class, their race, their gender, their diagnosis, or something else that they have no control over? Do you favour people over others because of their outward appearance or their social connection? Do you criticise others or belittle others 
gossip behind their backs? Do you focus on others' failures and mistakes and sins? Keep a record of right and wrong, keep score. Are you influenced by what is socially accepted? And are you worried about what others will think of you if you interact with someone? What if at Door of Hope we got this right? Close your eyes for just a moment and imagine Jesus' true, authentic community. What would it look like? And what would the benefits be? Imagine your connect group, your peer group, your youth group, where no one is left out. People regularly recognising opportunities to help and encourage and protect each other. People genuinely caring for each other and working together in love, not despite their differences, but because of them. Where no one is too important to help another. Imagine true authentic friendships where hardships and adversity and disappointments as natural as they are in a broken world actually draw us closer together, where we serve one another in love, as Galatians instructs, where, as James 2 says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Imagine with me, will you, a place where we can boast in our weaknesses, like Paul, so that others will see Christ's work in us, where because of our authentic community, others will come to know Jesus' love for them, where we are growing spiritually because we are connected relationally. Where, as Rich Villada says, we don't just open our homes, but we open our hearts to each other, responding with empathy and compassion and having earned the right to hear the story. Imagine. Will you do something about it this week as you move into a new week? Will you do your part to make your connect group, your peer group, a place that reflects the heart and the nature of Jesus? Will you invite people to be honest with you, holding their words with care and kindness? Will you sit with and truly see the person that God has placed in front of you? Will you intentionally listen and understand their point of view? Will you truly get to know people beyond the mask? Will you show grace and mercy that equips people to live without shame? Are you willing to spend time with every person that God puts in your path? Will you make allowance for others' faults? Forgive those who have wronged you. Will you embrace authentic community and create a space for others to remove their mask and share their story? Let me pray. Holy Spirit, help each one of us to reflect the heart and nature of Jesus in our connect groups, peer groups, our youth group, in our community spaces. May we strive to build bridges of understanding, goodwill, and mutual respect to all around us. Help us each to be honest, truthful, trustworthy, reliable, loyal, and unselfish. 
May we have eyes to truly see and ears to hear those around us that we can reach out to those who are struggling with words of encouragement and deeds of compassion. May we reach our hands out to help those who have fallen and protect, protect those who are vulnerable. May we truly love each other through our words and our actions so that Door of Hope will be a place where all people feel loved, accepted and valued for who they are and, and that they find a place of belonging. Father, because of your love for each other, may the truth be told. May Door of Hope be an authentic community, a safe place for the broken, the sick, the sinner, the scarred, and the prodigals, like me. Amen.